0: Learn more at netsuite.com slash podcast25.
1: Thanks for downloading this show from PC1. Before we get rolling, here's a word from one of the folks who helped bring you this podcast.
0: Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans
1: of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal.
2: Welcome, everybody. Eddie Trunk here with you, and it's time again for another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is new every Thursday via PodcastOne.com and iTunes. Thank you for streaming. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening wherever you do so anywhere in the world. We appreciate it. Always love to bring you the best and biggest rock interviews, many of which come from my daily show on SiriusXM which you can hear every day live, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Channel 106 Volume. Replay every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, and it's always available on demand on the SiriusXM app. And some of the best of those interviews will show up here as well from time to time on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. We appreciate you guys, uh, like I said, spreading the word about this and listening and making this thing bigger and better every single week. And I always try to bring you some great stuff. I just hear from so many of you guys. And you can always connect with me. You know the deal by now. Social media at Eddie Trunk. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. eddytrunk.com is the website. And just an update. If you, if you don't ever really get time to go over to my website or you really haven't, there's a lot that goes on on my website that is about me and what I'm doing and my appearances and my blog and merch and books and my shows and all that sort of stuff. But also... Really important to note that, you know, so many times I am asked about what's going on with bands and how to keep up. Well, Dana Rosen has brought music news to my website for years now. And there is a music news section on my website that has nothing to do with me or what I'm doing. And it's just updated all the time on all the news about bands you would care about. So by all means, be sure to check that. I don't know how many people... You know, I, I hear from so, so many people, I get so many emails from people, and they say, hey, you know, is there a good place we could just find the stuff that we care about? Well, my site, uh, you know, you hear me talk about my site often. That is not just for selfish reasons. It is a great resource that we gather up this news and post it up there for you in the music news section. So another way, good way to keep up with everything they have going on. We, of course, thank Amazon for their support. We thank all of our great sponsors. You know the deal by now. When you go to podcastone.com, you find my show page, which uh, is the Eddie Trunk Podcast, of course. You click on the Killer Deals bar, and when you you click on that, you will uh, – See all my great sponsors. Be sure to hit those links. Buy through those links. Patronize those sponsors. We also participate in the Amazon program. So when you buy through Amazon through our links, you uh, you help give us a little extra money. offsets the cost of doing this podcast. Won't cost you a penny more to buy that way. And you know the drill by now. Helps keep our podcast free, which is how you want it, and how I'm very proud we're able to bring it to you free each and every week. And again, we thank our sponsors. We thank Amazon. Shop through those links. Eddie Trunk podcast page, podcastone.com, and be sure to hit that Killer Deals menu and click on all my sponsors, and we appreciate you doing that. So another triple header. Before we get to that, though, real quickly, I do want to mention that I had uh, the opportunity to see my one of my all-time favorite bands three nights out of four last week. And that band, of course, is UFO, who have just wrapped up a tour of the U.S. with Saxon, and opening act, Jared James Nichols. Jared James Nichols, definitely an act to keep an eye on. I saw him perform in Los Angeles, actually. Uh, a friend of mine took me to go see him, producer Jay Rustin, about a year ago. He's come a long way. Great young blues rock guitar player in the opening spot on that tour. And I think that um, he's definitely a guy to watch, and he definitely won over some new fans with his touring in support of UFO and Saxon. Uh, Saxon, what can you say? Still one of the legendary bands of the new wave of British heavy metal, turning in great performances as well. Biff Byford, uh, always a character, always great at what he does. And it was great seeing Biff. I'll be honest with you, though. As everybody knows, UFO is sacred to me. It's one of my all-time favorite bands. They were headlining. They played about a half an hour longer every night than Saxon as well. And I was really happy about that. Not any diss on Saxon, but when you go see one of your favorite bands like UFO are to me, you don't want to get an abbreviated set because they're playing with another major band like Saxon. And we didn't. I mean, there was one night UFO almost played for two hours. So I was really happy about that because I was worried that since they were teaming up with another major band, maybe the sets would be cut shorter or something. But that was not the case. So, um, you know, when you watch these bands, you know, we talk about some of these bands all the time and how they should go away, they should end. Their singers are too old; they can't do it anymore. Biff and Saxon is sixty-eight. I think Phil Mogg, I was told, is seventy-one. They're still great. There's still great personalities. There's still great songs. They can still deliver the goods live. So you never say, wow, why are they still doing it? The guy sucks. I mean, it's not like that. So, you know, the whole age thing, which comes up so much now as we get older and the bands we love get older. I've said it all the time. Go forever if you're still good and you can still do it. And UFO and Saxon can certainly still do it. And UFO was just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I, I didn't see Saxon in their entirety on all the shows because I got there a little late, but um, they were so killer. And UFO doing a set where they did a, one or two Chapman songs, which I love. They did some of the Vinnie Moore stuff, three or four songs from Vinnie's era, ton of the Shanker stuff. Vinnie Moore played so brilliantly. Phil Mogg sang so brilliantly. The whole band, Paul Raymond, Rob DeLuca, Andy Parker, just killer. Got to intro him at all the shows. It's like, you know, for me, that's living the dream right there. I mean, those are heroes to me. So, And it was so good to see so many people. Both shows in New York sold out at BB King's. The show in Pennsylvania last Saturday sold out in advance at Penn's Peak. And the manager at the show in Pennsylvania came up to me and he said, and this is a thanks to you guys for all your support. He said, you know, you had Phil Mogg. I had Phil Mogg on my, uh, on my Sirius XM show last week, the only interview he did the entire time he was in America. And he told me, the manager in Penn's Peak and in, in Jim Thorpe, PA, told me that right after that interview was done, that he had a huge spike in ticket sales and it sold out that UFO show. So that's a testament to you guys and your support and listening to what I do, and I appreciate you enjoying and hopefully liking and listening each and every day to my Sirius XM show on volume on 106. But uh, if you didn't hear that Phil Mogg interview and you have Sirius XM, grab that show on demand. I got a ton of positive response from that. And if you don't have Sirius XM, well, you should get it, but if you don't, I will eventually, maybe in the next week or two, post the Phil Mog and Biff Byford interviews here in their entirety on the Eddie Trunk podcast as well. So I'll definitely star those as something that you guys can uh, listen to. The, The Mog interview got a tremendous amount of positive response. So thank you guys for that. And thank you to Phil for doing it. So it was a lot of fun. I think because this tour was so incredibly successful, we will be seeing a lot more of UFO and Saxon touring together in America I'm hearing maybe even another run of dates coming up in the fall. Fingers crossed on that. The guys wrapped up the tour on Sunday in Boston, another sold-out show. And now everybody's gone their own ways for a little bit. UFO have an all-covers record coming out. Saxon continuing to do some shows around the world as well. So that was a real highlight for me over the course of the last week. And I, uh, as you guys are hearing this, I'm just making my way back from Toronto, where I spent a couple days doing shows from there one with legendary producer Bob Ezrin, one with the reunion of Triumph. Yes, I reunited all three original members of Triumph for my SiriusXM show. And again, eventually I'll get some of that audio here for you on the podcast, but I'm just just letting you know what's going on over there because um, being on every day, there's a ton of content, as you can hear, that I'm generating. And if you want to hear it live or as it happens or even the day it happens, either the replay or on demand or whatever... Just uh, grab yourself a subscription to SiriusXM and listen to my show every day on Channel 106 Volume. All right, so coming up, our Triple Header podcast, we will be talking to jack blades we'll talk night ranger we'll talk damn yankees we're going to talk to john bush we're going to talk anthrax armored saint voiceovers and much more and phil campbell legendary guitarist from motorhead we talk of course about the late great lemmy and of course phil's current band so that's all coming up on the eddie trunk podcast
1: the eddie trunk podcast
2: Oh, yeah, True Car. I've been telling you about them forever. There's over 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from True Car certified dealers nationwide. I mean, TrueCar Car is awesome. And there's something about True Car a lot of people don't know. Using TrueCar can also help you buy a used car. In fact, there are over 700,000. Yeah, you heard me right. I just had to stop myself to read that. 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from True Car Certified Dealers nationwide. That's a lot of cars. So if you're looking to buy new or used, you can get upfront pricing information that empowers discounts off the list price for used cars, a better buying experience through the True Car Certified Dealer Network. Using True Car, you can easily find the new or used car you want. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, Visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states.
0: Mitch LaFawn here. Please check out my new podcast, Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn, every Monday on the Jericho Network here at Podcast One. I'll be talking to all the biggest names in rock, including Andy Summers from The Police, Poison, Night Ranger, Loverboy, and a lot more. Download new episodes each Monday via PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, or simply subscribe via iTunes. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast.
2: All right, we're stacked this week on interviews, so let's not mess around. Let's get you right into them, okay? Here is our uh, first of three interviews is with John Bush of Armored Saint and Anthrax talking about the new Armored Saint live record and much more. Enjoy, everybody. John Bush on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. JB, how are you, man? what's up edward how you doing buddy good good you know your your history uh how you kind of ducked in and out of music a little bit and now it seems like you're like full bore back into it now doing armored saint stuff doing some touring going in and out of the you know you're in america you're outside of america so so do we have john bush fully back in and engaged in the uh in the rock metal world or what um,
3: well, you know, it, we made Win Hands Down, the last record, uh, in 2015, and we thought it was pretty awesome. And then we did end up doing um, a lot more dates than we had done in the past. Um, the last thing we did was opening up for Queen Jack here in the U.S. for about a month, probably the longest tour that Armored Saints done in about 15 years. So, um, and then we obviously did some stuff outside the U.S. and Europe and Japan. Um, so it was always fun to play. Um, I always try to do it based on my own selfish way um, and not go on the road like the road dog that I used to be. Um, But, you know, it's fun to play at the same time. So there's a little bit of juggling there. And, um, you know, we're doing a tour outside of uh, in the UK and Ireland. Well, it's five shows, basically, a festival in Wales and then two in Ireland and two in the uk and that's that's a great run for me that's five shows. that that's awesome so if i could do those kind of little runs i'd probably be the happiest but um, sometimes it's not always uh the possible way to do things so um, but
2: you've but, but i guess my my point is is you've kind of come around a little bit because you you were really i mean i guess it was because your kid uh yeah how many kids do you have one or two i have two So, your kids were young, and I know that there was a lot uh, at the time that you were kind of like, you know, I want to stay home. I don't want to be on the road. So, are your kids old? Your kids, I imagine, are a little older now, so it's a little easier to get away?
3: Well, they're 12 and nine. My son will be 10 next month. They they do come on the road sometimes with me, um, which is great, them and my wife. They came out for about a week. Um, on the the run we just did with Queens, right? And they love being on the bus, especially my son. He's like the guy who stays up the latest. Him and the tour manager and Jeff Duncan, they were like <laughs> having battles who were going to stay up the latest, and he was pretty much w- almost victorious every night. Uh, so you know, my nine-year-old kid is staying up until 4 a.m. and going into Walmart's, uh, you know, in some middle America place, and employees are looking, going, why is this? little kid walking and i was already <laughs> asleep like i gotta go to bed man so they love it uh, my daughter not quite as much but they still like to come on the road they went to some hockey games and um to me the idea is that you know this is kind of educational for them to do that but they also need to go to school as well um right. that's kind of important for kids um so you know i, I what I've said for the longest time, and I'll, I'll stand by it, is that the one thing in life that I don't think you can get back is time. You can always find a way to earn some money, uh, you know, get a dollar, uh, you know do different things to, to you know, make a, your, a living, so to speak. But you can never get time back. And so if you are gone for long stretches of time, your kids are living life and you're not there, you're missing out on that. And that was a thing that I didn't want to do and I still don't want to do. So, um, you know, it's hard to sometimes um, juggle that, like I said. And, and, you know, we got an offer to do Queensrite and they want you out for the whole month. And I get it because it's, you know, better for the package and, you know, it's a logical way to tour. But, Um, it's not something that I necessarily always want to do because I know that I'll be gone from my kids and my wife and my family for, you know, three weeks out of four. And that's if they come out for a week. So, you know, it's my own kind of selfish way to do it. And, you know, that's just just the way I like to do it, but I do love to play at the same time too. And nothing is more enjoyable for me than being on stage. And um, so, we're just trying to make ends meet to make that happen. It's not. Yeah, easy. I mean,
2: I, I, it definitely seems like there's more of a balance in, in terms of what you're doing. I mean, my kids are exactly in the same age bracket as yours, and, and I hear you loud and clear because I go away not nearly to the degree of a touring rock band but in the last 5 6 years I'll go away for a week 10 days when we were doing that metal show in LA I might be in LA for 2 weeks and you come back and it's like whoa I mean you, you don't realize it when you're there every day but if you go away for a week or two and you come back you realize how quickly and how much they change so I get what you're coming from uh, where you're coming from with that but it's it's cool now I would think for them to be able to see their dad be able to go out there and get a, get a, a sense of what at least you used to do full time and and really take that in and, and see the reaction of an audience when you go out there and you're singing, whether it's you know with Queensryche in the U.S. or at the Wacken Festival where this live record was done or whatever. It's got to be cool for you to be able to now let, have the opportunity for them to see you do your thing.
3: It is, and, and, I mean, honestly, if they could, you know, if, if I had to go out for a month and they could come out the whole time, I would do it, you know, if I was, uh, you know, a lot wealthier and we were a bigger bands and, you know, I could bring a tutor and, do these kind of things. Although my wife has a business that we kind of rely on financially and it, um, it's a very successful business. And, um, so she can't really leave that either because then it would kind of fall to pieces. And, um, it's, it's important to her. It's, it's her livelihood and her passion. And, um, you know, so it, like I said, it's just a lot of juggling that you're constantly doing. Um, and you know, it's hard to, when they come out to a place like Europe and they're cruising around a festival, you know, and, and, you know, with their passes on and, you know, top dog, it's it's fun. It's fun to see all that, you know, and, um, I think a lot of people my age probably are dealing with that, and they want their families out, and they bring their families out, and then they're away from their families, and um, I'm sure they miss their families. So, um, like I said, it's just a, it's a delicate act that most people do, and some people or or some people maybe don't care, and they're gone for months at a time, and it, you know that's just the choice that they make. But yeah, you see me, a lot of
2: guys, you see a lot of guys walking around doing FaceTime, you know, in strange places right, exactly. talking to their kids. Yeah,
3: I mean we did the tour and then we we were home for like three weeks after, you know, in the middle of December till the beginning of January or middle of January. And then Joey Vera went back out with Faith's warning for like three weeks. And I know it was difficult for him to do that because he's like a hands-on dad, uh, similar to me, maybe even more so. And, uh, you know, you're gone from your daughter again and uh, including your wife and his wife is super busy running metal blade records and stuff. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just the way that we live now as, as you know, older guys and bands and, you know, with families and stuff. And, um, you know, like I said, people make choices of what they want to do. I just knew for me even, you know, it was maybe the way it happened when, when I left Anthrax and my daughter was just born and I kind of felt like this is all my destiny at that point. And, you know, maybe I'm just meant to be home now and I wanted to be home and you know, I had this little newborn. And so there you go.
2: Well, and you, you had the opportunity to go back to Anthrax around the time of the, when the worship music thing was happening and uh, the, the singer they were using at the time lasted a very short time. Dan Nelson fell out and they had a hole there. So you, you, there was a window before Joey came back for you to go back to Anthrax. Do you, do you regret not jumping in there again or could you not have done it because of the reasons you just said? Because those guys are out constantly.
3: Well, they do too, or a lot, no doubt about it. And, um, no, I don't regret it. I try, Eddie, I really have very few regrets at all in my life, period, you know, especially when it comes to the music business, um, and, and things I've done. So, no, not at all. I just, I, you know, I always said for, I've said this numerous times and I've said this, Um, And I'll say it again, it really made more sense for Joey Belladonna to come back to Anthrax at that point than for me, because really, I had just been in the band. And so uh, my time out of the band was a very brief period of time. So it wasn't like, he's back. while I was just in. So it made more sense for Joey to come back, who had been out of the band for a while, and who hadn't made a record with Anthrax since like 1990. So it was much more logical for him to return um, and and be back as the lead singer and and make that record and, and continue on. And for me,
2: hey, a uh, few things I want to talk to you about. Some more, of course, also the new Armored Saint live record, which is called Carpe Noctum. Did I say that right?
3: You did, I think. Although I'm not a you know expert in Latin, but you sounded kind of sounded <laughs> pretty
2: good, <laughs> John. This was done at the Wacken Festival in Germany, right?
3: Um, it was. Uh, we've. Recorded the Wacken Festival as well as a club show that we did in a city called Aschaffenburg, which is just outside of Frankfurt in Germany. So we had the the festival set, which was actually uh, we only played like nine songs because we were you know one of the many bands on the on the bill, and then we had a headline show that we did in Aschaffenburg. So we had a little bit more to choose from, and that's probably why there's uh, only eight songs on the record. We had to make sure that <laughs> they sounded good and there were there were good performances and stuff, but. Yeah, we modeled this record off of some of the classic live records that we grew up on. You know, Strangers in the Night, UFO, Priest uh, Unleashed in the East, Kiss Alive, then Lizzie Live and Dangerous. I mean, live d- records for us were such an important part of our upbringing and, and our, our uh discovery of metal and hard rock. And we, those records were everything to us. So we wanted to make a record that was kind of in that same fashion, like those records were. And uh, it sounds killer. I'm real proud of it.
2: Well, you know, you could, I couldn't agree with you more because what you just named were basically the the blueprint for my entire life. And, you know, my favorite records as well, especially Strangers in the Night, which is probably my favorite record of all time. But the The funny thing is about all those records, with the exception of Strangers, is that they've all been revealed to now have been basically studio creations with an applause track on them. So for your record, was it actually live or did you actually have to go in like those classic 70s records and do a little work to it?
3: There was a couple of fix it, I'm not going to uh-huh. lie. There was a couple <laughs> things, but, you know, it's live. It's definitely there. Um, that's probably why, like I said, it wasn't, you know, it would be great to have, like, the 15 songs from the whole headline showing out of Schaffenberg. But the reality is, is that, you know, there were some sour notes and there was some off key singing and, you know, maybe some fluctuation with beats. So, you know, we wanted to do something that we could live with for the rest of our lives <laughs> and not go right. Ugh, every time you hear that note. But by the same token, we wanted to feel we wanted to, to be a live record, you know, genuinely live. Did we fix a couple of things? We did. I'm not going to lie to you, but um, very few things.
2: You know, and, and the, the bigger thing, though, talking about live records when we were younger, I I mean, for me, they were the best way to kind of discover a band because if you got the live record as the first record, it was a good way to get a cross-section of some of the best material, sort of like Greatest Hits record in a lot of ways, just done live. And I, I discovered a ton of bands like that. And you know, I was thinking about this the other day, the, in the 70s, live records were an event. I mean, they were like landmark releases and I don't know, there were a couple big ones in the eighties, but ever since for the most part, I just don't know anybody that gets excited about. I do. I mean, I'm excited about an armored St. Live record, anybody doing a live record, but it just, I don't know why they lost that luster to me. They were like such event records at a certain point. And it just seems like we haven't had any really significant, Major ones ever since the seventies. You know, live, live, live after death from Iron Maiden in the eighties certainly was a big one. But but there was only there was only a couple even in the eighties going back that far. If you really think about it,
3: yeah, I don't, I don't know why either. Quite honestly, I mean, like you said, those live records are you know we live by those records. You know? oh, and then you and then sometimes you would listen to the studio records of uh, versions of some of those songs, and you would think, oh, that's tame, and that's kind of. Just has no balls to it. So, um, you know, and and you know, it's funny because March of the Saint, Armored Saint record, that is one of our biggest albums. We probably still feel to this day that it, it didn't really have the power that we really did live. And so to. It's, it's good for us to put these, you know, we put March of the Saint on it, a song by it's called Stricken My Fate, which is like a deep album cut on this record. And, you know, you're able to hear these songs in their powerful, um, proper way, and that's us live. So, yeah, I mean, why those live records have fallen by the wayside and they're not important anymore, I don't really know because people still want to go see bands live. It's yeah. it, it, more than ever now. So, um, I'm not exactly sure, but I guess we're, we're you know, we're going to kind of wave the flag. and and keep it going a little bit here.
2: Well, I'm glad you did, because I I still love live records from from so many bands. And... uh... The, the, the logical question here, listening to this record, is, did, is there also a video component? That's very common now. Did you shoot any of this stuff?
3: There's a Yes, it, it was shot, and we have put out a couple of videos in conjunction with it. We did Last Train Home, we did uh, March of the Saint, and we also, the first video that came out was Aftermath, so um, those are all available. You can, you can see them, you know, wherever you watch your videos and stuff, YouTube and wherever else, but, um, you know, I guess the final piece of the Armored Saint puzzle something that that we've never really done, would do a Proper live video where it was you know done in super high production um, you, know, a, a, you know headline show um, shot you know multiple cameras I mean that's probably the final thing that we've never done and and I think it would be cool to do that and it would be great to do it in l a because that's where we're from and um, you know I'd love to do it at a place like the troubadour that's where we started and you know this isn't in motion i'm not this isn't happening I just this is in my mind that I think would be amazing and uh, it would be um, you know the final kind of thing that we, not that we're ending anything but just like something that we've yet to do so I think that would be the next step
2: and what is the the next stuff lined up for you and the band do you, you you've got uh, more shows and have you thought about another studio record or what's the what's the future plan oh um
3: we thought about it very, very briefly. Um, you know, we, we actually felt like "Win hands down was like one of our best records. And I think we set the bar really high on that record. We really pushed a lot of, um, you know, the boundaries for the band and we made a record that seems like our fan base is, is is extremely proud of like we are. So, um, the last thing I want to do is go, let's just go make another record and then have it go. Eh, that's not as good. You know, you, you really got to dig deep and, um, and so, uh, you know, Armored Sane is a band that certainly doesn't move too quickly, we all know. Um, and, you know, it's not like time is really the most on our side, <laughs> being honest. So if we do something, we probably should kind of get on it a little bit. But I also want it to be genuine, and I want it to feel great, and I want it to be the right record. So um, we'll, we'll try to make all that happen.
2: I think it's really interesting, though, because what you said about Win Hands Down and the album that you made before that, La Raz, I thought was really good as well, and and then you you look at. You know, your old band Anthrax, the last couple records they made, I believe, I think are among the best records they've made in their career. Um, Even on the, you know, some of the other bands that I kind of grew up and been friends with, I think Overkill, a band like that's been making incredible records recently, Testament. There's so many. I find it interesting. You've got these guys that have been around 30, 40 years and some, some bands in Armored St. Falls in this category, some of their recent records are among the best things they have ever done in their career. Now, unfortunately, because of where we are in the music industry today, they don't get the same reception and the same shot at, at getting uh, you know sold. But in terms of just performance, production, quality of what they're doing... I think I think it's it's amazing that there's th- this quality of great music made this deep into these into these artist's career, and same goes with you guys. It's the last well, couple of records have been great.
3: That's that's very kind of you, and we, you know we feel the same. Um, you know we. The way I look at it, it's always about the quality of it, and, and we're not a band. Obviously, we're not going and making a record every year and then touring the world and doing 200 dates, and, and that's the way we earn a bunch of money. That's just not the reality of what this band is. So, so for us to make a record, I think it, the, all the emphasis is on making a really awesome record that we are super proud of, and then we'll go do some shows. But we're not in, in this kind of a hamster wheel. We're like, okay, we got to make another record. Okay, let's do some more touring, and then, you know that's just not the way we work. And And so I think it kind of it it's a good thing in the sense that it it doesn't kind of force us to make music and put out records that maybe are subpar not saying other bands do, but I think that that could probably work against us if we did that. And, um, you know, it's all about writing a great song and, and great records. and Because um, that's the thing that lives on forever. You know, once it's all said and gone, yeah. the, the legacy is the album. You know, that's the thing that will be there. So it better be great. And if it isn't, then it's like, eh, you kind of did a mediocre record there. And, and there's no reason for us to do that. So...
2: Well, and like most bands today, everybody's multitasking. As you mentioned, Joey, very your bass player, he's in in Fate's Warning as well. I see Jeff when I go to Vegas. I just saw him recently play with Frank Domino. Actually, oh yeah, that he was does cool, some, huh? Yeah, he does some different stuff in Vegas with different bands. So everybody has their their other outlets. And for you. I mentioned this before you came on the air. It's giving people a little bit of the history, and we talked about this when we had you on that metal show as well. You've been doing a lot of stuff in, in, the, in voiceover land for a while. Are you still doing that? How's that going for you?
3: Um, it's been a little slow lately, Ed, to be honest. But, uh, you know, I always still like to do it. I've done a, you know some documentaries, and I did something for a fast food company for, like, an in-store video. So I still love to do it. It's great. Um, it's, it's fun when you're able to – to do it and 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 get paid for it because you usually get paid pretty well for doing it as you know because you've done it. Um, yeah. But um, you're competing these days with a lot of big time actors who who do voiceover and who do like big campaigns for uh, uh, big products. So when you're going against like the Jeff Bridges and the Gene Hackmans and you know Robert Downey Juniors and you know you walk they in, you ju- walk they're bigger than me. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> so. You, know, you walk into an audition and them.
2: Pat. You walk into an audition and Patrick Stewart is sitting there. You know you're screwed. It's over. <laughs> yeah,
3: well, you know, people like those big time actors. They don't need to audition. They're just basically hired. And, and I know, you know but... it's it's just the way it is. It's just it's funny. Back in the day, even on uh, on air commercials, actors would never do that. That, would, that was like the kiss of death, and that was oh, taboo. And they would never do that. Now, on the last Super Bowl, every single advertisement and commercial had a big-time actor in it. I don't know why that's happening, but they're doing them now. So, you know, you're, you're right. like the whole Lost in Translation movie was based on Bill yeah. Murray going to Japan. And i that's what people used to do. I'll do it in Japan, but I won't do it in the States. Well, that's changed now. Everybody's doing them. So...
2: Totally true. I mean, most of that stuff was, you'd only see Brad Pitt in a commercial in Japan or something, but now those guys are, are coming into the, the U.S. turf and, you know, the, those bastards are taking away all the gigs for the, well, the regular guys out exactly. there.
3: Exactly. I, I guess those co- those companies are willing to shell out Big Doe to have those people be <laughs> spokespeople. So that, yeah. that kind of pushes down John Bush a little bit, unfortunately.
2: Yeah. And Eddie yeah. Trunk. Trust me, it does. <laughs> Listen, true. buddy, it's. It's great to talk to you and uh and everybody check out Armored Saints latest live album Carpe Noctum. What does that mean by the way?
3: Uh seize the night, you know. It's uh we there's a line in one of the songs that we had on uh when Hands Down where I used the line seize the sees the day and um you know it just seems like living in the moment. I think it's imperative especially in the world that we live in now and you sometimes everyone's caught up with what's going to happen, what you're going to do. It's like no no, you're here now. Live in that moment, especially watching a live band. You know, people are so caught up in filming it and you know taking pictures of themselves at the show. It's ridiculous. It's like, dude, watch the gig, watch the band. You're there at this moment. Live in it. So that's kind of where it all came from.
2: ArmoredSaint.com is the website to keep up with what's going on with the band and John and uh, upcoming shows and upcoming releases and all that sort of stuff. Good talking to you, John. I'll hopefully uh, we'll connect somewhere down the line and get to hang a little bit.
3: Always a pleasure. Thanks a lot, Eddie.
2: All right, John. Take care, man. Thanks to John Bush for joining me on my radio show and, of course, here as well on the Eddie Trunk podcast. And check out the new Armored Saint live record, which is out there now. And it's good to hear that John is uh, kind of, you know, getting back into being a little more consistent playing music as well. All right, we got to take a break. Coming up next, it's Phil Campbell from Motorhead on the Eddie Trunk podcast. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, let me tell you guys about Casper mattresses because I have one. I do. And they are awesome. My son sleeps on it. I set him up on it not too long ago. It is incredible, incredible premium memory foam with latex foam. Uh, It is number one or it's been named, I should say, one of Time's Best Inventions of 2015. And you can't imagine how unbelievably affordable a Casper mattress is. Because mattresses can often cost well over $1,500. But Casper mattresses cost between $500 for a twin-size mattress, $600 for a twin XL, $750 for a full-size. I mean, it's unbelievably affordable, unbelievably comfortable, just the right amount of bounce, just the right amount of firm. My son on his previous mattress would constantly get out of his bed, constantly walk into my room, where, of course, I have a Casper as well. As soon as I change to the Casper, he loves it. He loves it. I mean, it's uh, I, nights that he makes me crazy and I got to go sleep in there, I'm at least happy that there's a Casper on there. It's an incredibly engineered mattress, an incredible price on that mattress as well. And you can try one risk-free. There's a risk-free trial and return policy. You try sleeping on a Casper for a hundred days, you get free shipping and painless returns if you do need to return it. I mean, it really is a tremendous deal. And you want to make that deal even better? Well, right now you get fifty dollars off any mattress purchase by visiting CasperTrial.com/trunk. T R U N K, and use promo code fifty sleep. That's five zero sleep. Terms and conditions apply. Again, $50 towards any mattress purchase. Visit caspertrial.com slash trunk, T-R-U-N-K, and use promo code 50sleep. 50 sleep 50 bucks off, an already amazing price. the The mattress comes in a box. You open the box. The whole thing just pops open. You lay it down on your box spring. Boom, as easy as that. And if there are any reason you don't like it, Free shipping to return it, but you're going to love it. So make sure you check it out. Casper Mattresses, everybody. Once again, caspertrial.com slash trunk. Promo code 50sleep for the $50 off. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, Phil, it's Eddie. How are you? Hey, how you doing, man? Yeah, I finally got um. Uh, do some phone
4: signal here. Yeah. Um, well, we
2: got you now. You're sounding loud and clear. How's things? Okay.
4: Yeah, very good. Yeah, 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 very good. Yeah, just having a couple of days off before some more shows, and um, well, had a great response for different things for our EP and everything. It's been fun. Well, I got to, yeah. I
2: got to tell you, I got to tell you, Phil. I listened to some of the EP and the music you've made with your sons, Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons, and I got to tell you, man, I really, really loved it. I thought it was great. Oh, I'm so
4: proud of it. It's, um, it's, it's a combined effort from everyone. Uh, you know, Todd, my son Todd produced it. We all we all contributed to the music. N- Neil Starr did a great job on the melodies and the vocals. And it's majorly kicking ass now. Um, yeah, the, you know, the thing We recorded that's... it probably like three, two or three months ago, at least. But I, normally by then I'd be quite sick of quite a few of the songs, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm
2: still,
4: I still love them. Well, the thing the response, about it, the response has been fantastic so far. We have not had anyone say anything bad about it, so uh, it's got to be good. And come, coming from you as well, you've heard probably just about everything under the sun. So um, if you like it, that's not too bad, is it?
2: No. Well, listen, and you know, I would tell, I would, I would, I would not say that if I didn't feel it. I, I, I really, I, what I really liked about it, Phil, was that. It was a little, like, listen, rock and, uh, Motorhead was always a straight-up loud rock and roll band, no, no question. But this is a little bit more of a different approach, and, and uh, I love the singer. Now, the singer is the one guy in the band that's not your son, right?
4: Apparently, yes. No, I was just joking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Neil is definitely not my, Neil Star. yeah. He was a singer with a band, great band from Wales called Dopamine and another band from uh, called Attack Attack. And he was friends with my kids, and my kids used to play in bands with him and do gigs with him, and Todd Todd recording them and stuff. And uh, and yeah, I'm really lucky. we were so lucky to get Neil. He's amazing. Like he can sing in voice. any key. He doesn't even ask what key. He's fantastic, and his melodies yeah. are amazing, and his phrasing is fantastic. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's really really good. So so my question to you was, Phil. This this band actually was kind of born out of a band that you were already doing, right? You were already doing the Phil Campbell All-Stars, and it kind of evolved into this, right?
4: That's correct, yeah. yeah. Uh, my son Todd, he had a, a major birthday party um, just over four years ago now, and we we, re- we hired a band for the party, and uh, me, me and his brothers got up and everything, and Neil, Neil was there, and we just did a few songs, and it sounded really good. So after that, we decided to, you know, just to... Do some shows and whatever. We were lucky enough to play Bloodstock and some different things, and you know, small little tours and everything. And uh, after Lemmy sadly passed away, like this year, we we had a little bit more time to get do some more stuff and get serious and write our own material. We always intended writing our own stuff, but we've had a little bit more time this year, so it's kind of bittersweet. You know, I know, I know, Lem would approve. You know, because he, he likes kick-ass music, and we're definitely kick-ass. And um, um, so yeah, so it wasn't something I've just put together since since Lemmy's passing. It was something we were doing for fun. You right. know, but, when um, when you
2: when you guys, Phil, when you were doing it as as Phil Campbell and the All Stars, it was essentially the same band then, all the same guys, your son, and the same singer.
4: Yeah, exactly the same. And
2: exactly what material yeah, exactly when you same, were doing?
4: we didn't do any original material and it was just like our own favorite songs and my own uh, favorite songs and party songs but it was the same so what kind of
2: stuff were you playing with that band Phil what what kind of songs what were you doing
4: we do have my favorite well our favorite Zeppelin songs you know and Sabbath you know and Tina Turner favorite of mine bits and pieces like you know you should have been there on the motorboat Eddie you would have uh, you would have (laughs) do it for yourself man (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, well it sounds like a, it sounds like a, a Sab, Sabbath and Tina Turner, it sounds like an eclectic mix. It's cool.
4: Yeah, the Tina Turner goes down as well as the Sabbath as, as well. I well, used to do it. We haven't played it for a while, but uh, we have an extensive repertoire now.
2: Yeah. Now, but, if your sons, yeah. your sons that are in this band were were they all taught by you? I imagine they got the bug to be musicians because of you, their dad being in in a band.
4: Um, Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, they were all born in October, four years apart. So in my downtime with Motorhead, generally I would play with some of my mates down in in pubs and clubs and I would would drag the the kids along or the child or the two children or whatever and just plonk them behind the drum kit and play Knocking on everyone's Door something like a simple beat. And, you know, they'd be interested in music at home, but they've, They've far surpassed me now. I'm, I'm really proud to say, apart from my wife and the dog, I'm the worst musician in the family. <laughs> yeah. I'm really proud to say that, yeah. It's great. It's great, I know, yeah. If I fuck up, I get the bad looks from them, you know. But...
2: <laughs> well, that, that, that leads
4: into... It's, it's a unique legion... thing, really. It's fantastic.
2: Yeah, that I was going to say that leads into another question because obviously your dad and, and you're the boss, but in a band dynamic, I mean, do they get to say say to you, "Hey, dad, you, you screwed up that note"? I mean, how does that dynamic work? No, they they,
4: they say uh, no, it's, it's good. Uh, uh, they don't yeah, they don't say much. It's, it's gone. Any any problems? It's it's sorted out and done within a minute. No, no, but um, I have to listen to a lot of football matches on the van and everything like that, and football talk which i'm not keen on so i stick my headphones on you know because <laughs> i was listen to tina turner or whatever
2: yeah i was just going to say because a lot of bands have arguments and you know there's a lot of bands have a certain level of dysfunction and if there's if there's ever some flare-ups with you you guys you're you're actually fighting with your sons as opposed to just a bandmate so it could be a could be a weird situation
4: <laughs> no it's not it's not some kind of monster <laughs> right gladly like yeah, no no, it gets sorted out pretty quickly you know, so you
2: plan uh, on coming here to the u.s and doing some shows with the band ha- have you or now that you're starting to put out original music is the idea to co- to come over and uh, and really work this is this your priority now as far as playing music
4: well um we have well, lots of priorities it's just to you know just do stuff worldwide of course we've only done like the motorboat uh U.S. wise, or it was kind of U.S. It wasn't technically U.S. Um, yeah, yeah, we, we've got some, we got some stuff booked. I, I don't think we have anything booked, but we we all we're working on it for next year. We have we have uh, the Wacken cruise, and we have some European, lots of European dates booked, and Hellfest, and there's going to be a bunch of other festivals and everything. Um, I couldn't specifically say now any North American shows or Canadian shows, but I'm sure there will be next year. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. And uh, we're, yeah. out, we're out with the Sax. Yeah, we've got we've got a few shows this weekend. and We're out with Saxon in Europe, which will be really cool. I'm going to give them hell. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we've got about eight shows with Saxon in Europe, which is really cool.
2: Well, speaking of Saxon, I just talked to Biff, and his kid is doing a band. When I while I was talking to Biff, he was in the studio with his kid's band. So maybe there's yeah. a double bill there somewhere.
4: Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Biff's yeah, kid was in a band and everything. Yeah, so I'm, 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 yeah, but it should be pretty good.
2: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Phil. The, the, from what I've heard of this music that you're doing with this band, Motorhead, unfortunately, as much as they were loved as you well know, they didn't get a lot of mainstream radio airplay if at all here in America, but the difference with this band that you're doing, I think that you guys have a real shot at, at really actually maybe crossing over a little bit more commercially with this. I know that's not what the goal is, so to speak, but it's that sort of music. I could hear it. I could see this getting much more of a chance to get some play on, on mainstream radio here in the U S than maybe even motorhead was able to do.
4: Um, well, coming from you, Eddie, if you think that that's that's great, as you said, we just write in a a song. A good song is a good song. Yeah. Uh, you know, the same with Motorhead. We just wrote for the the three of us. We didn't write for radio. We didn't write for fans. We didn't write for record company. Um, we just trying to write good songs now, and it's, obviously it's going to be different. It's a different dynamic, and in Motorhead, there's different people in the band, obviously, but the the spirit's going to definitely going to be there, and it's going to stay forever. You know,
2: and, yeah.
4: and my all of my kids, and, and Neil as well, they they all brought up listening to Motorhead. I, I dragged them to a lot of Motorhead gigs, and they used to love it. So, Can you we know, still here? It's, it's just, yeah, you, you know, yeah, it's just, it's, it's kind of still family, extended family and stuff. But, um, yeah, if, if, if they play us on the radio... Well, Whatever, yeah, we don't have a problem with that. It's great, but we, uh, we ain't going to change the music just to get on a radio.
2: No, and and, and and you shouldn't, and it's still a tall order because it's, it's it sucks here, quite honestly, in that department in the U.S., but <laughs> it's, I just meant as far as the direction of it and the sound of it, I, I thought it was, it was definitely accessible. Phil, let me ask you a couple more quick things before I let you go. As far okay. as Motorhead is concerned, you speak of the spirit. I was just in L.A., and I just saw Todd, and I went, and I saw Lem's statue in the rainbow, which I just thought was brilliant. And and I'm wondering, you know, it's n- now that it's been uh, some time that that's passed. I haven't had a chance to talk to you about it, but we all knew Lemmy was sick, and we all knew that he wasn't uh, doing so well at certain times. But did you see the end coming? Did you did it take you by surprise when he finally did pass away?
4: Uh, it, it did that quickly. Yeah, um, it, it, Lemmy, he, he wasn't looking very well. He was getting he was getting pretty thin. Um, but but. If, 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 Lem was playing so much better and tighter for the European shows mm-hmm. in in the fall than, than he did it in like the summer in in, in, the, in the US. I, in my particular opinion, you know, and we thought we were going to go back and have a, you know everyone have a good rest and stuff. I knew he wasn't well, but um, yeah, it came. He did came surprisingly quick at the end. And, it, and it, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know if it came that quick. I really can't um, can can't believe this. What that guy did to pull out everything he had from his soul and everything to complete them gigs and whatever. That, that just sums up Lem.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen. You know, he went it out.
4: Was, it was. It was a. It was a surprise. The um, how quick it was at the end. Yeah, because I didn't get his save a bite to him whatever you know
2: right right yeah uh, well it's good that you're doing this and i know that i i spent some time with mickey recently and nice to see him playing scorpions i think he's a great fit over there and he seems to be very happy have you spoken to him
4: yeah 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 Yeah, i'll be seeing him soon we speak on the phone and uh it's a great gig for, for mickey with the scorpions you know he's always loved the scorpions and this fantastic band and uh, yeah, he's he's cool with that, and I I decided to carry on with my thing, and we just all play music, and it's, it's all good, you know. And The Motorhead music still surviving for forever, I hope, you know. And uh, oh,
2: without a doubt,
4: you know. Do you uh, do you play do you play p- 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 Motorhead p- 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 songs,
2: Phil? Huh? Do you play Motorhead songs with your band? Do you play them, play them with your sons? Do you play some in the set? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we.
4: We do Ace of Spades and we do obscure stuff, which fans have not heard for years or they've never heard, as a treat. I, I don't, you know, everyone wants to hear Ace of Spades and we do that, right? And we, right. And uh, we do it quite well, actually. Right. Uh, yeah, and, and we do some we do some things which you know you wouldn't expect to hear Motorhead songs. So I, I I'm, I'm always uh, want to slip in some, you know, unexpected stuff. So, you know, just to keep people on their toes. And it's great. And la- I, I, love it. I love it as well. Stuff, songs which I could never get Mickey and, and Lem to agree to play, you know, filthy or worse, live, now I can because I'm the boss. <laughs>
2: I don't mean Well, that's that, good. No. No, I- it's I- really cool. It's
4: really good to, to, to bring them songs out. And the fans, the uh, fans, the fans so far seem to really appreciate
2: it. One one last thing, Phil, and then I'll let you go. Uh, there were a lot of people that asked me, with Lemmy passing away, if there would be some sort of um, fan memorial. I know that there was an event in Los Angeles, but in terms of maybe a tribute show, there were so many other musicians that loved Lemmy, and he influenced so many uh, that that people were wondering maybe at some point there would be some sort of celebration, some sort of tribute show, uh, you and Mickey playing with some other people and really just uh, playing the le- you know, celebrating the legacy of Lemmy with with all these people that loved him at, at more of a public sort of event. Have you guys discussed that at all? Were there ever any, any talks to do something like that?
4: Um, yeah, we we in talks to do um, you know half, half a dozen shows worldwide maybe, um, but it, it's got to be done properly, you know with all respect to Lem and for the other uh, deceased members of Motorhead. You know, we don't want some guy running on stage from a band saying, yeah, I can, I can sing Ace of Spades and coming on going, yeah, we're in talks already, but um, it's going to be done right. There ain't going to be anything real soon, but yeah, it's, they're going to be really big shows. So, you know, we want to get it done right and, and you know, the value for money for a... For, the fans and everything we ain't gonna rush into nothing
2: right you right. know
4: Modred was going for you know for forty years, we ain't gonna end on a you ended on a shit note, you know, just yeah. for the sake of russian stuff it it'll be cool if if we do it yeah there there are some tentative plans, put it that way
2: good all, well all, listen all, then.
4: it's all positive, yeah.
2: I got I to gotta let you go. I greatly appreciate the time. I haven't had a chance to talk to you personally since Lemmy passed away, so my condolences on that. And congratulations on this music you're making with your son. Everybody check out Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons. Really, really good rock and roll. Some new stuff, and it, it sounds great, and hopefully I get a chance to see you play it live soon.
4: Okay, Eddie, it's been a pleasure, man, again. Okay, okay, good luck, and um, thanks for listening, everyone. And um, you shall hear us soon. Okay, cheers, Thank Ed. you,
2: Phil. Take
4: care, man. Bye, Bye mate. Bye-bye.
2: My thanks to Phil Campbell of Motorhead for joining me on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Got to take a break. Coming back with more. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, guys, you may have heard a lot about Audible, and I got to tell you, it really is amazing. Audible.com is a great way to take in books. I mean, I don't know if you're like me, but I have a stack of books sitting here that I got frustrated with because I simply didn't have time to read the books. I mean, you can't read a book when you're driving. I spend a lot of time in the car. Sometimes it's just really hard. Sometimes I want to, you know, lay down in bed. I can't turn a light on because my wife will get mad at me if the light is on and I'd like to do some reading. So Audible helps with all that because you've got these talented actors and narrators that read the book to you, and it's a great way to take in books. And what's even cooler is that we have a great, great program for you here. You can get a free 30-day trial from Audible.com. That's right. There's a custom URL that I want you to use. It's audibletrial.com trunk, T-R-U-N-K. And if you go there with your, your iPhone, your Kindle, your Android, you can listen anytime, anywhere. It really is great. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, your Android, your Kindle, your MP3 player, whatever you'd like to use. And again, for the listeners of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download, a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. There's so many great books up there, including The Hobbit, The Girl on the Train, a novel. Check it all out at, at, at Audible. To download your free audiobook today, go to Audible trial. Dot com slash trunk T R U N K. Again, that's Audibletrial dot com slash trunk for your free audiobook. What do you got to lose? Audibletrial dot com slash trunk
0: Hi, I'm Clay Smith, host of Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews, the podcast for book lovers interested in interviews with best-selling authors, insider scoop on the hottest releases, reading ideas for book clubs and bibliophiles, and even tips about which books to skip all together. So be sure to download new episodes of Fully Booked by Kirkus Reviews every Tuesday. You can get it on the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe on iTunes, and don't forget to rate, review, and share.
2: This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. One more interview to go on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast, and it is with an old friend, Jack Blades. We talk Night Ranger and their new album, We Talk Damn Yankees. Always a lot of fun to talk to Jack. This conversation was no exception, so let's bring it to you right now. Jack Blades. It's hard to believe that Night Ranger has been doing what they've been doing so well for 35 years now. How the hell did that happen, Jack Blades? 35 years of Night Ranger? Are you kidding me? You're like kids still I when know, I man. see you.
1: Sometimes it feels like it's been like 35 days, you know? And then, <laughs> and then other times it has feeling. It does definitely feel like 35
2: years. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, buddy? trunk eddie
1: how you doing man how's trunk nation working
2: it's all good you know last time we had you on you and uh and brad and um kelly we were on the ship we were on the monsters rock cruise we had a great conversation there in that atrium
1: that was a fun cruise yeah we had a good time on that whole thing we always have a fun time with you eddie come on how long have i known you years 10 talk about 35 years in a night and like with eddie uh, well, if you think
2: about it, well, the beginning of Night Ranger is, is, what, it is 35 years ago, right?
1: Yeah, the first re- the release of the Dawn Patrol album was like 1982, so it's the 35th year anniversary of the release of our first record. This is it.
2: And I've talked about this a lot. I mean, I remember seeing you guys come on MTV with the video for Don't Tell Me You Love Me and saying, wow, now that is a band that checks all of, of my boxes for things that I love, you know, great dual guitar playing melodic song, but still rocking great singing, great vocals. And really it's remarkable, Jack, because anybody that's seen you guys recently or has heard the new album. Don't let up after 35 years. And I can say this with all honesty, and I'm not just saying it cause you're on the, on the radio with me right now. You're still that band. You guys are still as good as you were. I, I don't, There's very few bands that can say that. I mean, cracks start to show after 20 years or whatever. You guys still bring it. Anybody that was on that cruise, I mean, every band of every genre was out there watching you guys do it. That's got to feel great.
1: You know, yeah, you feel like you're doing something right after all these years, you know? I mean, look, when we started this whole thing, Eddie, what did we think it was going to last like? You know, what's, what's the lifespan of a rock band? Four or five years? You know, you meet some girls, have some fun, and all that kind of stuff. And here we are, you know... Talking about a new album, Don't Let Up, 35 years after the release of the Dawn Patrol album with Don't Tell Me You Love Me and Sing Me Away. And, and you know, it's like crazy. You know, Eddie's coming out tonight, your theme song. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, it's wild for us to think about it because sometimes it does feel like it's just gone by in the blink of an eye. But, you know, right now we're having so much fun and we're just enjoying it. Right now we're enjoying it. I mean, we're, you know, you know, you don't have to prove anything to anybody anymore. You have to, you know, you just get up there and, and just have fun and play and goof and joke. And, have a great time with each other and and that's what goes on with us right now.
2: Well I can attest to that firsthand because you guys have been friends for a long time and I've been lucky enough to see you play ever since the beginning right up until recently and you know there's a lot of bands you go and you see them and you know them and you go backstage you go into their dressing rooms and you can always feel there could be a little tension one guy's kind of on his own the other guy's on his own there's a there's a there's a a strange air about things you know they're just there for business reasons get the show on everybody's i mean you you guys really are a whole different <laughs> <Yeah>. thing
1: <laughs> it's fun you know you come into our dressing room um i gotta tell you there was a manager that was a uh, um for a very very big band whom i shall not name and he came into our dressing room we were playing with them he walked in our dressing room we're in there just, like, laughing, telling jokes, just, like, rolling on the floor because somebody just, like, told something. I mean, we were having a ball, you know, and it's like, you know, bring the tequila out. Let's have you know, everybody's just joking, all five of us in the room and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and and we're getting ready to walk on stage. And we're getting ready to walk on, and the guy looks at me, this manager looks at me, and he goes, you guys actually like each other. <laughs> <laughs> it was like he was stunned. I'm like, hey, dude. You're, you're hanging with the wrong band. And then I went on stage. I mean, it's, it's, it's like that with Night Ranger. I mean, we have, a, we have a good time. I mean, we have a core, you know, Kelly, Brad, and myself. And, um, and then now with Kerry Kelly, who is just an amazing, great guitar player. And Eric Levy, probably the best musician in the band or keyboard player. I mean, and we're just, like I said, we're having more fun now. And, and, and we like it. That's the thing. We're enjoying it. Like, I get up on stage and I enjoy every minute of it. I'm not, like, dreading the fact Was it always
2: like that over the 35 years, Jack, or were there rough spots?
1: I'll tell you what the rough spots were, man. The rough spots were when we'd be, like, partying so hard and we'd be, like, up all night and then we're on stage playing and you're like, and you're like, please, you know, you're making deals with God. Like, please, just, if I can get through this last song, I promise you I'll never do what I did last. I'll never do this again. And you're dying up on stage and you're singing. And there's 10,000 people out there screaming at you. And you're standing up there going, please, dear Lord, just let me get through this last, you know, chorus of this song. And then you, and then right, <laughs> you get off stage, we walk back and then somebody's like, you know, there's a knock on the door. And it's like, you know, the guy walks in and goes, Hey man, you guys want to party? And we're like, Okay, let's <laughs> so
2: go right do it back. all
1: over Before again. Can, it's like ah! but you know, you just, after a while, you learn, you, you know, you learn, you learn that you can't sustain that level, and the guys that do end up either crapping out or freaking dropping dead. You know what I mean? Well,
2: what was the height of the years of the Night Ranger excess? Would it have been like, um, obviously, five? What, what year?
1: Eighty-five. 84 85 86
2: cuz that's when the real success and all the radio and MTV stuff was happening that's when you know you guys were pretty much you know ruling TV and radio airwaves right
1: this will, will, will the the title of the book will be you know um it'll be 85 80, 84 85 86 Night Ranger The Lost Years
3: <laughs> <laughs> it'll be for, for
1: us right that'll be the title of the book oh yeah those were the yeah that was crazy because it was um you know well, you know, the problem was, yeah, those were the it was the height of everything. Every one of our videos, I mean, we'd have four or five singles off of every record. And every video would be a number one video on MTV. And then, you know, the problem is, you know, you go into a town and all those people are saving up. You know, they haven't partied for like, you know, two or three months, but they're saving up their big party night for the Night Ranger concert, you know. But for us, it's like five nights straight in a row of that. And so if you go out there and start partying with them like they want to, because they they've like you know they they they're it's like built up pent up you know energy for like 4 months they're waiting for this night Right. you go out and try to do that with them for like three or four nights in a row and he's just like dude you end up dragging yourself onto that tour bus and into your bunk and just you know just hoping just hoping you can get another hour's sleep before you have to get up and do sound check. You
2: know? Yeah. I mean, I've talked about that a lot and I remember being you know young and just going to shows before I was ever in the business and the concept, the, the fans perspective is like that show that there's, that you're going to that night. That's the only show that band's playing. They didn't play the night before in in a city a hundred miles away. They're you're not a stop on a tour. You are the show, and and that's right. the mentality of the fan. And for you guys, it's like it's one of 150. Uh, but you you that's you. The, uh, it, but the great bands like Night Ranger is live, are cognizant of the fact of that perspective of the fan and that you've got to deliver it every night.
1: Exactly, exactly. So you get out there and you try to. Right now, I mean, you know, we we get out there and just try, you know, we're the, you know, everything is just, you know, I'm out there at 22 hours of the day is so I can perform those two hours plus, Um, uh, you know, so 22 hours is just getting, you know, preparing for that. So right now we save it up and, and we throw down everything, you know, us, so when I mean, we throw down everything we got, but we had to learn about it, Eddie, I mean, I mean, think about it, I mean, like. You know, when 1982 kicked in with Dawn Patrol, you know, we went on tour. We were on an 18-month tour. We came right off off that tour. They pulled us off that tour because we had to go in and immediately cut a new album because Boardwalk Records, our record label, went under. And so, so we immediately went to L.A. and for two months, cut a record, and then immediately went out on the road for another 18 months, came home, had a month off, immediately went into the studio in L.A. and in New York and cut the, the, cut the Seven Wishes album. Me <laughs> went out on another 18 month tour, and it was just, it was like that. It was, it was, it, and they came back off of that and went right in the studio again. We had no time to breathe, really.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, there's more we need to talk about. Uh, the new Night Ranger album is out now. It's called Don't Let Up. We'll talk a little bit about the record specifically and some more stuff with uh, Jack Blades. Jack, hang in there if you can for me through a quick commercial break. We'll come right back with more if that's cool. You got it, Eddie. You right. got it. Jack Blades, more with him coming up. Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, let me tell you guys about BarkBox. BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys and uh, a surprise theme each month for dogs. BarkBox is its like the ultimate thing. It's the, the joy of a million belly scratches. <laughs> BarkBox is incredible. You get all this great stuff. You choose your dog's size. You tell them how big your dog is. And uh, small and cute, 0 to 20 pounds, 20 to 50 pounds, big and bold, 50 pounds plus. You choose a plan, how often you want the stuff to come, these incredible treats, uh, one time uh, a month uh, once every six months once a year there's all sorts of plans available you can cancel any time free shipping bark boxes are shipped on the 15th of each month so this is a really really great thing if you have a dog every month bark box uh, they, they pick the best all natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs and they know about your dog because you're going to tell them even their allergies and all sorts of chewing preferences and things like that. All the edibles in the Bark Box are made in the USA or Canada, and they're 100% of the products are tested on animals. Bark Box is a great way to try a variety of treats and toys from local and small businesses that you may not otherwise be able to find. And each monthly box is themed. So it's really very cool. Free shipping on any Bark Box within the continental US. And uh, you're going to love this. It really is awesome. They ship it to your door. Unique variety of toys and treats that you wouldn't find anywhere else. So check it out, everybody. BarkBox. And for a free extra month of BarkBox, visit getbarkbox.com slash trunk when you subscribe. That's right. You heard me right. You get a free extra month of, of these great treats, these great toys for your dog, just go to getbarkbox.com trunk when you subscribe. Again, that's getbarkbox.com trunk. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Night Rangers celebrating thirty-five years, still just a potent live band, and still making some great, great new music as well as the new album certainly illustrates. So, Jack, the new album. Uh, tell us a little bit about your thought process going into this. We mentioned that Night Ranger's been going for over three decades. So, when you set out to make new music, uh, you know, how do you guys do it at this point? Is it different than how you used to do it, and and the writing process and all that?
1: Well, you know what, it was um, sort of like. Um, it's the last three albums. We we decided to go back to the the way we used to do the original, the first four albums that we did, and that is just get in a room, start jamming out on songs, and once we you know hit on an idea, then go for it and like record it, put it down, and then move on to the next and record it, put it down, and and, and kind of go like that. So when we decided to do the the Don't Let Up record, is basically what we did. Um, we started out. We um, Brad and I went down to Kelly's place and we started jamming. I mean, just jamming on a bunch of songs. I think one of the first songs that came out was Day and Night. I mean, Brad you know, Brad was all excited because we were sitting around the room and and you know how excitable Brad can get. All of a sudden he's sitting there, he turns his amp on and everything, and he just starts going da 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 dun dun jumping up and down, you know, like a little you know, like he's excited to be there. And we're like, Wait a minute, that's freaking great. Let's 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 go with that. Let's see where we can go with that. And that of course turned into day and night, and then song after song after song came and then then we got together, um, um, Brad and I, separately over at his place in California. We came up with some stuff. Then I had everybody else come up to my, where I live up on an island north of Seattle, um, and um, and I had Carrie come up. That's when we integrated um, Carrie Kelly into the whole process. And, um, you know, Carrie's just so great. I mean, uh, uh, that whole thing, we came up, we jammed out, and we kind of came up with, with somehow, some way, truth, um, um, and the title track, Don't Let Up, off the record. So, and, you know, and... And so there's, we really did it like it should be done. In other words, not a bunch of dudes bringing in separate ideas and everybody trying to push their idea on the record. So they, you know, they're pushing their bad idea so they could get publishing. We're like, look, let's just split everything even and everybody bring in the best crap they got, the best stuff you got, man. Come on, bring it in. Uh, So that's what we do. That's what we did, and that's what we got.
2: Yeah, I mean, and and it shows. I mean, it really. There's there's a certain uh, consistency to the records you guys have made really since the beginning, and this album. Anybody who's a Night Ranger fan listening to this record, there's nothing not to like on here. You mentioned Kerry Kelly, who's the newest member of the band, although he's been in the band for uh, I guess a few years now. He replaced Joel. Like four. Hope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he replaced Joel, and uh, you know he seems to have you know be having a blast up there with you, and 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 it's some listen, it's some deep water to jump into the 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 second guitar spot there in Night Ranger next to Brad I mean Jeff Watson set a standard that you know with the stuff he did that that was just phenomenal and then you know you had Joel in there who was so good and now you've got Kerry in there who's so good but but I got, I it's got to be you know it's got to be a tough thing when you you had to find a guy you know like Kerry that could check all the boxes and make make it work and and really seamlessly fit into this band it's not an easy thing talk about how you you found him
1: well, I mean, I knew him when he played with Alice Cooper because Alice and Cheryl and my wife and and um, and myself are really good friends, and so I knew Carrie. Um, I knew him when he was in, you know, the Alice Cooper group. He was with he was with Alice for I think eight or nine years, and um, of course, he's played with a lot of guys and everything like that. And and I always liked the way he played. I always liked the way he, he kind of has a sort of like a like a um, a real good groove and everything like that. And and it was nice because. He was used to playing on, you know, big stages. He was used to, you know, big rock and roll with, you know, with Alice. And of course he played with Slash and and everything like that. And that brought in a whole new dimension to us that was, I think, very, um, you know, very, very advantageous for the band. And what was good about it was we got a guy in Kerry Kelly that wasn't afraid there was no intimidation there was no fear there was no like you know i don't want to step on him he just went he just the first night he just went in there and just started laying it down and we're just like this is great then you know us eddie i mean we're like hey go for it bud you know it's not like you know hey get in the background it's not anything like hey take it you know what i mean yeah yeah so and so carrie carrie was we were very fortunate that we had a had a had a guy in carrie that could just you know jump right in And, and especially with brad like you said I mean, with, you know, Brad and his, and with what, you know, with Brad and what Jeff Watson, you know, the legacy of Night Ranger, what they accomplished, you know, for, for all those first, you know, four or five albums, it just, and Carrie is very sort of like aware of Night Rangers um, history and, and very much aware of, of where he fits in and where the music that's currently that we're doing should go. And I think that was, a real good thing. And it just is, I couldn't have asked for a better guy. And he's a blast to be with. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. Now you mentioned the songwriting process on this new album, don't let up. And one of the things that I always thought was, was amazing. I mean, there's a lot of attention paid to the guitar playing in night ranger because it's such incredible stuff, both, you know, as you said, the the foundation, which was, was Brad and Jeff. And then over the years playing those old songs. And now with Carrie uh, in, in the band, but the other thing that is incredible to me about night ranger and always was is the vocal is the harmonies is the singing uh which is from my vantage point all real am i correct correct on that
1: yeah there's no there- <laughs> you better believe it yes it is which
2: you know which you know jack i mean bands that are doing it all real and all live as you guys do deserve props and respect and recognition for that because sadly a lot of guys aren't and when you put the work in to do vocals the way you guys do them and you've got two lead singers in the band with you and kelly i mean uh it's really pretty incredible talk about the work you put in vocally because i think that's something that deserves a lot of acknowledgement
1: well guys come you know guys other musicians come to our shows and and see our shows, and they're like, you know, after the show, it's like, dude, who's triggering your, your background vocals? <laughs> We're like, no, what do you, there's no trigger, he goes, no, 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 who's, who's like, you know, the big, to make the big background vocals, temp. it's like, dude, it's just us singing, you know what I mean, and that's, I, I've always kept it that way, and we've always kept it that way for one particular reason, that is, so we can go and just jump to any song we want to jump to, and not stay at the same set list over and over and over. I mean, I throw in songs. I mean, if we feel like playing one song, you know, from way in the past, we'll just throw it in the middle of the set. We'll do this. We'll do that. I love changing it up. You know, what I mean, a couple of nights have turned into Springsteen sets. You know, we played two and a half, and <laughs> three hours. You know, just keep playing and stuff. But uh, but but you know, with Night Ranger, when you're when you're when you're writing a record, when you're creating it, and everything like that. In my head, everything is like revolving around. You know, I mean, it's dual guitars and then it's two lead vocals and it's like big choruses and great melodies. And that's all I know how to do. You know what I mean? That's all I've done all my adult life is, is you know, kind of write that kind of music with, you know, big choruses. And, 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 and that's kind of ingrained in my brain and in my DNA. So when we do start doing songs, I mean, there's very much like, okay, Let's split the vocal here or let's do Let's do the entire song duet. Like the song, Jamie Kelly and I sing the entire song like duet style. And the same thing with, um, uh, we can work it out on the new album on the don't let up album. Um, and so, so, you know, we really, you know, I'm aware of that and, and we're all aware of that. And so when we make choruses and we make adjustments, if the chorus isn't quite right, I mean, we tweak them right into the last, like Kelly and I sitting there singing and we're going, Oh yeah, now we got it. Like don't let up. It's like, we had don't let up going, you know. Don't up on your big Don't It kept like the same thing, but then we decided it needed to swing a little bit. And Brad goes, "Hey man, put a little thing in the second, the third song." Just like we decided to do. There's a whole world just wet volume, man. You know, stuff like that. I mean, that was just done at the at the at the spur them on the last. And then when we do our own records now, since we're doing, we just make a decision and go, "Okay, that's great. Move on next." Mm-hmm. I mean, half these songs we sang. Those are the Those the the, the lyric, the verses that you're hearing a lot of times on, I'd say about four or five, maybe even six of those songs are the scratch vocals that, you know, that I put on or Kelly put on when we were when we were first just writing the song and getting it together. And we listen to it afterwards. and We're like, sounds fine to me, man. Why change it? So that's kind of where we're at now. and We wanted to make a live sounding record to celebrate 35 years because we're a live concert band. You know, that's what we, that's what we do. We love playing live. And so we wanted this album to sound like our live show. And I think we accomplished that.
2: Yeah, no, you definitely did. And I, I think, and I've said this many times, the bands, I hate this sort of electronics movement being introduced into music, especially with some of these more modern bands. I think it's lazy. I think it's cheap. I think it's um, a rip off to the audience, that uh, you know that they're that they're they're hearing basically karaoke with some of these bands out there, and I, I think that the bands that are actually doing it live, and there are still some, and certainly Night Ranger is one of them, deserve the credits. You, you know, I saw actually I, I went to see um I saw Sticks not too long ago with one of your other bandmates Tommy Shaw of course who you shared time mm-hmm. with in Damn Yankees, and it was just about a year ago actually they were out with Def Leppard and Tommy halfway through the set walked up to the microphone and he said just want everybody to know he introduced the band and he said just want everybody to know everything you're hearing from this stage is all being generated by us and we're all really singing it and it's all still in the original key (laughs) and he said that (laughs) he said that to the audience and i was like hell yeah you know when you're putting that sort of work in you should get the acknowledgement for that you should let people know about that i thought that was great
1: I love it. I love it. Yeah, man, Tommy's got that voice that just keeps on kicking, man. I mean, he's you know, he's got that high voice, and he takes care of himself, takes care of the voice, and it just, I mean, I love it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's they're a kind of band that, yeah, they generate all that music. There's no tapes or loops or anything going on, you know, on in the background with sticks, that's for sure.
2: Uh, speaking, of, speaking of Tommy, I, I wanted to let you know this. Tomorrow on my show, Nugent is going to be on. Uncle Ted. Uncle I, I'm,
1: I'm sorry. Should I apologize <laughs> to you now or your fans now or later? How do you want to do it? I mean, I'm really, I, I'm so sorry.
2: <laughs> I already gave the disclaimer. I, I already on. gave the disclaimer in my audience. I said, I don't, I don't care. You know, I could already feel half of the people, what are you doing to have a new job? I couldn't give a shit. I love Ted. He's Dude, a great I interview. He's it. a lot of fun, and we're going to have him on tomorrow.
1: Dude, when he texts me, he texts me and calls me and stuff like that. I swear to God, I'm not kidding you. Spit comes out of my phone. It's <laughs> it onto my face. What he gets so worked up about everything. It's like awesome, man. Ted, look, here's the deal with Ted, man. Ted has been Ted Nugent all his life. So this is what <laughs> he is. This is what you get. I mean, I just remember one place where we we played a show once with the damn Yankees. We were in um oh oh we were in Austin, Texas, the home of Willie Nelson, and it was right when Willie Nelson was having some problems with his taxes, and his <laughs> fans went in and paid his taxes, and that pissed Ted off so freaking much, man, <laughs> so pissed because I've had to pay every freaking you know I mean it pissed him off. He went we were in Willie's so twenty thousand people, big huge Aqua Fest or one of those festivals there family, you know, the whole thing. He went on a tirade, and, at, and it was like he stopped, right, we stopped the song, and he launched on Willie Nelson in his hometown. <laughs> and these people are going, I mean, he's screaming and cussing and screaming, you know, and there's families out, you know, it's like a huge thing. And I even walked up to him, and, and I said, Ted, we can't do it. And he goes like, no, not just, no, wait. And just like, went like that, and I'm like, okay, bud. And Tommy and I walked off the side stage, you know, started sipping some water and stuff like that. And we're like, well, it's the last time we ever play in Austin. You know, <laughs> he, he goes off and people are stunned. So we finished our show, caused a big uproar, all this. But one guy said, the one guy was very good. He wrote an article the next day in the, in the, in the paper, their regular, their regular guy an editorial. And he said, look, you people all said it was this. And you were afraid. And oh, my gosh. And he, Do you realize You hired Ted Nugent to play (laughs) at this event, okay? Which is, let's figure this, okay, what did you expect you were going to get? I I mean, we just laughed at that. But what I'm saying is, it's like, it's Ted, come on, man, embrace it. (laughs)
2: Yeah, that's it. You have to embrace your inner Uncle Ted. Absolutely. I agree 100%. You know, when you were on, you did an interview with me a couple years ago, and we 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 took a call from the audience, and they asked if you ever thought there would be a a damn Yankees reunion, and you just gave a flat-out answer of no. And I don't know if you realized the fallout from that at the time you did it, but there were a lot of people that read into it like there's some deeper issue or whatever, but you were telling me recently that it's just a case that you just don't think the schedules are going to ever merge again. Do you still feel that way?
1: yeah i just don't think it'll ever happen man i just you know which is a real drag because the damn yankees is a great band it would be fun it would be a blast it would be fun for the people who never saw damn yankees and it would be fun for the people who saw damn yankees and enjoyed it and um and but i just think it's a you know i think it's a stone drag that it's just not gonna happen you know what i mean i mean there's been offers that they offered us to you know to do the m3 show this that and the other these guys couldn't figure out how to put that together so i'm uh, that was right at that time when you asked me that question, and so my flat out no was probably a, a little bit of uh, pent up anger inside of me. Probably
2: just because there are these opportunities that just because everybody can't get on the same page are, are not happening.
1: Yeah, yeah, or don't care to work it out. You know that 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 bums me out. But you know what? That's life. It hap- If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know. I have. You know. I'm Night Ranger. Yeah, is is my love. I mean, it's a great band. I'm. You know. I mean. I'm flying to Italy next month to record some more Revolution Saints. I mean, I mean, it's just you know we've got tons of stuff to do with Night Ranger. This being our 35 year anniversary, and, and you know I'm as busy as I want to be, basically. But I would love to do Damn Yankees. I'll will emphatically state that.
2: And you're going to do another record with Revolution Saints with Doug and Dean, huh? Why not? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, Dean is doing well. I, I saw a- him at I saw him around Nam, so I guess he's doing well these days.
1: Dean is is doing fantastic. He is doing great. He's a new person. And you know what, man? Everybody needs a second chance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, Jesus went to that well and, like, hung out with that prostitute. And everybody's, like, oh, oh, God, help me. It's like, yeah, okay, here's how you do it. People change. People can People can be great people. Actually, people can come back stronger. You know what I mean? And Dean is one of those people. I mean, I'm rooting for him. And I've been talking to him all the time. I mean, we talk every day, sometimes two and three times a day. And he's doing just—he's—he's he's great. And he's an amazing drummer and an amazing singer. And you know what? He's going to take that second chance, and he's going to use it, and he's going to use it to help the world. How about that?
2: All right. Well, that's that's good. That's all good stuff. I look forward to hearing a second record from that band as well. I know there are a lot of people that were bummed that that didn't really get off the map because of the of the issues and didn't get to do really live shows or anything like that. So hopefully it'll have a have some additional life somewhere down the line. Jack, absolutely, Jack, absolutely. i got to run, but I appreciate the time. I want to remind everybody the new Night Ranger album is called Don't Let Up. It is available now. If you are or ever were a Night Ranger fan, I can certainly attest to this being right in your wheelhouse of music that you absolutely must get as far as new music is concerned. Always good to talk to you, man. I know the other two guys wanted to be involved in this as well, and unfortunately because it was on the phone, that's tough to do. But, of course, when when the band is in New York, Come in, sit in, do the whole show. We'll have we'll have a blast as we always do. Oh, we'll have fun, and uh,
1: absolutely, we'll have. Eddie. You take care of yourself, man. Lots of love, uh, much love to all the trunk nation out there, man. And we'll see you down the road real soon, probably. Okay,
2: back at you, Jack. Tell the tell uh, send my best to the rest of the guys and to your son as well. And I'll talk to you soon, bro. Well, thanks to all my guests on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast: Jack Blades, Phil Campbell, and of course John Bush of Armored Saint and anthrax we post new every thursday at podcast one.com and itunes the eddie trunk podcast proud to be free thanks to all our great sponsors thanks to you guys for patronizing those sponsors you know the deal you can connect with me on twitter instagram facebook at eddie trunk eddie Trunk.com is the website katie Irizari is the producer of the eddie trunk podcast have a great week everybody be sure to follow me on twitter at Eddie Trunk for up to the second news info and updates on everything I have going on. Have a great week. See you next Thursday for another all-new episode.
0: sells today. So how do you bring your best sales game every day? Simple. Listen to the Advanced Selling Podcast on Podcast One. Hi, I'm Bill Caskey, And I'm Brian Neal. Each week, we answer listener questions like, how do I compete against a cheap competitor? And Brian's favorite, because he always has an answer to this, how do I meet with a CEO when they won't even return my calls? The Advanced Selling Podcast is where the best go to get better. Listen Mondays on Podcast One and on iTunes. Your business was humming, but